Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, I am so excited for you to hear from more new friends. Kelly M. Jenrette is definitely on her way to being one of the best actresses we have seen in our time. I am not kidding you when I say that. When you watch her work, when I list it here, you'll know what I mean. She's a native of Atlanta, now resides in Los Angeles with her husband, Melvin Jackson Jr. Kelly was nominated for an Emmy in 2018 for her portrayal of Annie in season two, episode four of The Handmaid's Tale. Her two latest films can be found on Netflix, Uncorked and All Day and the Night where she stars alongside Jeffrey Wright and Ashton Sanders. Kelly is also in the second season of the hit anthology show Manhunt, Deadly Games, Lionsgate, and Spectrum. Kelly has also been a series regular on the Fox comedy Grandfathered, starring John Stamos. And when I say that I would die to star in a role with John Stamos, like I just I want to touch Kelly just because she was near John Stamos and the countdown begins watch Kelly Jenrette on All American Homecoming premiering February 21st on the CW Network that is a whole lot of black excellence and welcome new friend to the show I need her I'm single it's most important it's Valentine week y'all Damona Hoffman She's been coaching singles on how to find love online and offline for over 15 years. Her articles appear regularly in the LA Times and the Washington Post. Plus, she's a regular on-air contributor to the Drew Barrymore Show, NPR and NBC's Access Daily. Demona also started in two A&E Network TV shows, Hashtag Black Love and A Question of Love. Her weekly podcast, Dates and Mates, tops the charts in the relationship category on all major podcast platforms. She is also the official dating coach for OK Cupid. You can catch me February 25th at the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey. Yes, this girl is back on the road, so come and check me out at the McCarter Theater if you're anywhere in the surrounding area of Princeton, New Jersey. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us because of you. We make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's important. Subscribe and make sure you turn on the auto-download function for the Friends Like Us for Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Our Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation. Just go to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. So thank you. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies. It's still hoodie season. It's cold. We had a moment of spring and it's cold again. And even if you're in California, it gets cold at night. I know it. Coffee mugs, face masks, tank tops. They're all available. Just go to marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, and my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews. And we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stopping by. Sometimes we even offer free stuff, like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still. Um, The variant is still out there. Get vaccinated. Booster up. And Black Lives Matter. This is a great, another great episode. Oh, my God. The the guests that I'm getting, you know, like a lot of times I think about, like, do I keep doing this podcast? What, what, What am I doing? And then I find out all of these amazing people are listening to the show 
people who want to hear more from women like yourselves on the show. And they keep bringing me like amazing, amazing guests. And today is that day as well. It's just, I'm like, you know, (laughs) it's like, it's overwhelming because I'm so impressed by who I have on the show today. Um, We have Kelly, then correct me if I say your last name wrong. It's a Haitian last name, am I right? Is it Haitian? It's French. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Kelly Jenret. Jenret? Yes. No, Jenret. Jenret. I mean, if you want to be fancy, you can say Jenret. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kelly Jenret and Demona from OKCupid okay is here. Hello, hello. <laughs> Look at that. OKCupid, okay huh? So um, we're going to start talking, of course, with Kelly, and then we're going to get to Demona from OKCube because we all need help in our dating lives, whether we're married, getting it together, single. It's all complicated. But first, I want to say to Kelly Jeanette, who is this is your first time on Friends Like Us. And I just want to say this whole podcast was about inspiring women of color. I'm a comedian forever, forever, Uh, you know, former actress trying to get back in. Um, but Kelly, you yes. are a talent that, uh, I have to say, like, I, I, like, I was looking at your profile and I forgot how much of your work I've actually already seen. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you. You are Emmy nominated actress for The Handmaid's Tale, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Was it, uh, episode, uh, season two, episode four. Yes. The Other Woman. Mm-hmm. And you worked with Jeffrey Wright in uh, what's All this? Day and a Night. Oof. And I, yes. I, you know, I was about to watch it. I turned it on this morning. I was like, I've already seen her in this. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's really it's just it's an honor to meet you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here amongst all this beautiful black skin. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you you have so much like I'm I'm watching your Instagram profile. I'm watching everything that you're doing. What was that like for you to get nominated? And it was like a short scene. So it's like I always tell people it doesn't take much. It just takes those moments that stand out. And it's like an incredible scene. So, yeah, it was overwhelming um, when they were making the announcements. You could watch it, I think, live. And then there were certain categories that they were not announcing live. And so when they finished the live, they said, go to this link and you can see the remaining nominees. So I was like, oh, I'll just check it out. And I went on the website and I go to the outstanding guest actress category in a drama series. And I see Viola Davis Cherry Jones, Cicely Tyson, Kelly Jen Red, Samir Wiley. And I was like, wait, what? Kelly Jen Red, that's me. And I was, I just kept saying, no, no, no. And then my husband calls and says, babe, you're an Emmy nominated actress. And I was like, I know. Do you know if you got nominated? Because he was also um, up for nomination in the short form category. And he said he didn't know. And I was like, well, I'm on my laptop. I'll go look. And I went to look and he was also nominated. And I was like, oh, my God, you're nominated as well. And, you know, we are the first African-American married couple to be nominated in the same year. So to be able to share that experience with my husband, my best friend, 
was just something that I could not have even imagined. Yeah, because it, it's just such a, it's a great time in like Hollywood for diversity too and like, mm-hmm. and what's going on. And a lot of times you go, are they doing it for, for diversity's sake or is it really happening? It's really happening. Yeah. You know, um, and to be married, like like you said, with your best friend, and yeah. to accomplish that at the same time is like, did you meet like through acting or because I've often been like, you know, how do, how do you meet someone <laughs> and in Hollywood? Like I'm looking at all the actresses in Hollywood. It seems like it's difficult to find someone when you're this busy. And Yeah. You know, I will really you know, God was like, let me help my baby girl out. And um, we actually met at a friend's going away party. So it was a small little gathering she had, and it was a group of friends who everybody knew somebody in the group of friends. And later on, my husband and I realized that we had met before. Um, he had actually auditioned for a piece that my um, really good friend, Patricia Cuffey Jones, had written, and I was his reader. He had seen me in a play that she had done. So we we were in each other's space. But at this going away party, um, that's when when we were introduced um, officially. And he was checking me out all night. <laughs> the story's incredible. After five proposals, we're married. Oh, <laughs> five proposals. Five. Yeah, five. The first time, I don't know how much time you got. We got time. And Damona, you could kick in at any point if you want to. Please do. I'm taking it all in right now. Oh, I have lots of questions. Uh (laughs) So we were at this going away party and he comes up to me. I'm talking with Patricia and he talks about how his ex took all the toilet paper out of his house and left him with no wipes. And I was like, that is, that's spiteful. Like, what did you do to her? And he said, we broke up. And I was like, after y'all had sex, he was like, no, I'm just at a place. If I don't see the relationship going anywhere, I'm not going to waste anyone's time. And I was like, cool. And then he puts his arm around me and says, but me and you, we're not going to have that problem, are we, Melissa? And so I'm looking around like, (laughs) who's Melissa? (laughs) And he was like, I'm so sorry. I thought I heard someone call you Melissa. And I said, her name's not Melissa. It's Callie. I said, here's the thing, Melvin. My name is actually Kelly. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'd love to take you out to dinner. And I said, do you do you mean me or Melissa? And he said, well, why do we have to bring up the past? (laughs) I said, it literally just happened. So he steps back, comes back in, introduces himself. And we do that again. He says, I would love to take you out. I can also cook. And he was like, I don't mean to be so forward, but that's just how we East Coast guys are. He's from D.C. Um, And then he asked for my number. I tell him I don't feel comfortable giving him my number. He says, well, you can just put it in my phone. I said, that's the same thing. And (laughs) he was very persistent. Eventually, I give him my number. He walks me to my car. We go out on a date. This was August 20th. We go out on a date a couple days later. October 6th is the first time he proposes. Uh Uh-huh. From August 20th to October 6th, very fast. Um, And it wasn't that 
it, that wasn't the jarring part for me because my dad proposed to my mom. They go back and forth between a week and two weeks when he proposed and they've been married for over 30 years. So, you know, that part I was like, yeah, but I was just like, you ain't talked to my mama. You ain't talked to my daddy. You didn't ask them if it was okay. He was like, bet, let's do it. So he talked to my parents. My dad had already told me that Melvin was going to propose to me. Um, and he was right, <laughs> but I just wasn't ready. I, um, had been married before and we had separated in, in 2012 and, you know, I, that was done with and living my best life, not even checking for relationships, but I just wasn't ready. Um, and then he proposed again the next month in November he started to get down on one knee and I did too. And I slowly began to lift him up. No, 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 <laughs> Melvin, no. I'm sorry, then, that's so funny. He's like, what the, get your ass. <laughs> Come on, get up, brother. No, yeah, yeah. Melvin. And then the next time he proposed was in January. We went to Catalina Islands and he pulled out the ring and I was like, oh, Melvin, no, you can't go anywhere without this man proposing to you. No, and so then funny to me. Okay, <laughs> the fourth time I came home because at this point he had keys to my place and he was always very sweet, like leaving sticky notes on the house, on you know, on the TV, on the mirrors, wherever, wherever I come in. He has notes all on the floor, teddy bear, balloon, flowers. The note says. If you'll marry me, video chat me. If not, call me. So I pick up the phone and I call and I said, oh, Melvin. <laughs> no. And I'm praying like, okay, God, when am I supposed to say yes to this man? And I felt like he was like the next time he asked. So then he asked again um, in April. April 4th was his, uh, it's his birthday. And he said, you know, God told me to ask you today because you truly are a gift, will you marry me? And I was like, oh, Melvin, yes. Oh, poor God. You. Thank God. <laughs> and then we got married November of that year. And this past November, we just celebrated six years. Yes. yes. <laughs> Congratulations, Black Love. Black Love. Hey. Mm-hmm. So it's I know real. Demona's listening to all of this and I, I'm curious as to what questions you have. And and did she, does this sound like the way she the way that Kelly took care of this is why it's such a solid relationship or like what questions do you have? Yes, Kelly, I've been taking notes this entire time. <laughs> I would like to read back the record to you uh, when he originally asked for your phone number. You said, did you or did you not say that you didn't feel comfortable giving out your number to him? I did say that. Yes. Why did you say that, Kelly? Because I didn't feel comfortable. You were at this party with all these friends, like friends of friends. You knew him. Yeah. It just, I, for me, I think I was just like, yeah, I'm not really feeling you like that. Like, no, I don't want to. Do you think that's part of what made him so persistent? He's like, oh, hard to get. Do you believe in that? I think that was definitely part of what made him like, no, you're going to give me this number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to keep giving you this ring until you take it. <laughs> right. But you know what? He actually thought 
when I said I don't feel comfortable, he thought I was saying saying my number out loud. That's why he said you can just put it in my phone, type it in. And so that was funny to me that that's why he thought that I said that, not because I was like, no, I don't want to give you my number. (laughs) That's cute. So funny. I give so much away. I'm like, you want my number? Sure. (laughs) Instagram, (laughs) social security number. No, (laughs) no, don't do that, y'all. Don't do that. (laughs) Not recommended. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like Kelly did all the right things because she really knows you know, like she has boundaries, she knows what she wants. And so she got what she wanted from the man that she liked. You know, like I have a tendency to make exceptions too much, too many exceptions. I also will like lower my standards for what I want sometimes because I'm like, well, I'm at a certain age and it's not <laughs> guys at my <laughs> age. I, I think I'm older than both of you. Um, I may not look it, but I think I may be. Um, let's just say uh, uh, menopause is happening. So um, I like being alone, um, mostly because at night my sister was just here for the weekend and she shared the bed with and I was like, I cannot share my bed with anyone right now. I sweat. I wake up in the middle of the night. I drink water, I go to the bathroom at least three or four times. If someone else is there, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> it's a problem if you make it a problem. But <laughs> but what I love about Kelly's story is that she had clarity on what she wanted and she was able to she was able to voice that and have confidence. And I do see a lot of times with with my clients and and, you know, the my dates and mates listeners like they, they'll always ask me about that, that line between when should I compromise and when when is it just letting somebody walk all over me and when should I hold that boundary? And it's, it's hard to figure that out. But if you have that conviction in yourself and you know what you need, it's a lot easier to stand in your in your power and know that like Kelly wasn't sweating it if he was <laughs> if he was going to take her out or not. Like she wasn't worried about that. So it, it unfolded as it you know it was meant to unfold because you were clear. Yeah. You know, I uh, another girlfriend of mine who's who's also like a sister she was walking with me as I'd gone through my divorce up until like, you know, getting out there again. And she was telling me to create a list. And I was all, I'm always anti list. Like, I'm not trying to create no list. And she was like, no, I'm not saying a list of like, I want him to be tall. I want him to have six pack abs. She was like, no, what does God say you're supposed to have in a mate? And so then I began to do a deep dive of like, okay, God, what is it that you want me to have? And so if my number one is you must love God more than you love me, if you don't meet number one, you don't get to number 17, which is the abs, you know? And so that's just kind of where I was. And as I began to like go down my list of things like I had on there, like I'd love for my mate to grab my hand and start slow dancing with me. And that was like all the way down on the list. Melvin came over to my house one time and we had this thing where we were sending songs back and forth. He would send me a song like, Joe, I want to know. I would send him Sade, Somebody Already Broke My Heart. He would send me like all these love songs. And I was like, let's wait a while. He'd send (laughs) another love song. There's a stranger in my house. Like (laughs) I was like, "Mm." and so there was a song um, that I really wanted him to hear when he came over. And I 
press play on my iPad and as I began to walk away, he grabbed my hand and started to dance with me. And we're dancing and I'm looking like, oh my God, did he see my list? Like, what? And so it was just those things that made me feel more solidified in the relationship and where I stood because I was like, all right, yeah, you checked off number one. You checked off number two, the respect, the love, the honor, all of those things. And now I can see if you can fulfill those other things. That's just something that worked for me. Oh, that's so good. Because the list, like, it's in my head, but I never wrote it down. Oh, write it down. Write it down. I have all my clients do that and, like, visualize. Like, I love also that Kelly kind of pictured like I'll tell my clients to get into the feeling of what it will feel like to have that person in your life. Don't make a list of, you know, with the abs and the how tall and how much money and all that. But like, what are their values? What are their goals? And how do you feel when you're with them? And that can really change everything. We're going to do a list, Marina. Oh, my God. My (laughs) list is, I mean, as you get older, the list is is just, I don't know. can they lift me if I fall down? You know what I mean? (laughs) That's where I'm at. I'm like, I hate, can they, can they hold me? (laughs) It's like, you know, um, but it's like, it's just, you know, like I have this one article in here. I hate to jump to the articles yet, but I do have this one article about cryptocurrency. I don't know if you saw that, but it says owning cryptocurrency may make you more desirable on the dating scene. Like financially, like I've, I think I've always been like, I understand, especially like, I think, you know, in the black community, like with black men, there's this issue with money and sticking with a man through thick and thin. And, you know, like he's he's come up and knowing where he's at and knowing where he's going and, and not like I've never been too hard on a man if he's struggling. But I see that he has the whatever to go forth. I'm, I'll be with you. You know, I'll hang out. And then some women are like, no, he's got to have this. He's got to have that. And I see like, especially during the pandemic, women are like, look, you got to be able to take care of me financially. You got to have some health benefit. All that stuff is coming out now. So I don't know. My list is kind of uh, I I, I take care of myself pretty good financially. I don't know if I need a man to do it. So but he's got to have something. That is that is a conversation. Nice shoes. Shoes. That's a minimum. That's number one on the list. So <laughs> loves God, has shoes. On <laughs> everyone's list. No, but that is something that we're seeing a lot coming up at OkCupid. There, there's these changing beliefs on really the role of a relationship in someone's life and what someone needs to have and bring to the table. You know, financially, we were seeing that it wasn't um, during the pandemic. A lot, you know, a lot of people had financial insecurity. So like I've told some of my clients, if, if, if you're like, you must have financial security, like uh, you might as well just wait until 2024 because we, you know, a lot of people are not. So so we're seeing a change in in the uh, importance of how people are ranking that in in um, on their dating profiles and in their preferences. But, you know, I think ultimately, if you got your own stuff, you just need somebody that's not going to come in and like steal your stuff. But you don't necessarily like a lot of times people will tell me they need somebody that matches their level. You know, if they are highly educated, they have a lot of they, you know, they make a lot of money. They're like, I need somebody at this level. You're not looking for you're looking for a partner. You're not necessarily looking for your your um, body double. 
Well, that's a great question for Kelly then, because I, I mean, you're such a talented actress. You're up there with like Alfre Woodard and Angela oh, Bassett. Wow. You no, you were really are. I watched your work, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, um, yes. So when I when I say listeners, just watch out because an Oscar is in the future for this young lady. If you don't think so, I, I'm going to tell you right here. I've, I've never been wrong. Um, <laughs> but how is that in a relationship with them? You know, like as a comedian dating another I've done I've dated way too many comics that I shouldn't. And I was like, you know, competitively, men don't fare as well dating women in the same field. I've always noticed that. How do you in your relationship is that? You know, I did not because my ex-husband was also an actor and I was like, I don't want to be with an actor again. Um, But I think for what what Melvin and I did differently was that we put the marriage first. You know, even when we were doing the whole Emmy campaign, I was like, if we're not right, if we're arguing, there will be no going to walk this red carpet. There will be no interview. Like we're not doing it. We will shut everything down because if the marriage is not where it needs to be, then nothing else. The 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 idea of competition, I will say that my husband is extremely supportive. You know, we did have a little hiccup when when the Emmys came because yeah. I was nominated for a very popular show and he was nominated in a category I think that at that time was three years old. Um, and so a lot of people didn't know about it. It was for a project that he had written and produced himself. So it wasn't it wasn't known. And there was one interview that we did and they were talking about The Handmaid's Tale. And then they s- slightly mentioned his nomination. And then when we got home, I could tell his energy was off. He had a bit of an attitude, you know, and he was trying to come for me like, well, why didn't you say something? I said, babe, this is new for both of us. And so now on the next one, we'll know this is how we need to handle it. So I don't want to make it seem like we don't ever have any issues. We do, but we're able to come and discuss them. Melvin has never met a stranger a day in his life. He is so outgoing, all of that stuff. I am more of like when the pandemic hit and people were like, we got to stay home. I was like, nothing changes for me. Like I love being at home by myself. I'm one of six kids. And so when it's like, a, when you have alone time, it's like, yes. Um, and so we balance each other in that regard. But as far as like, my career, he is so extremely supportive. Like he is my biggest cheerleader. He is my biggest walking, talking billboard commercial. Anytime, you know, we're around and somebody will ask me about myself. I'm just like, yeah, Kelly from Atlanta, well, black Christian girl. And he's like, yeah. And she was also in All Day and a Night with Jeffrey Wright. She's Emmy nominated. She did Uncork. Like he's listing the resume. He's just, he's an, an, an amazing supportive husband. It's so important what you said too, that it's not always easy. It's not perfect. And that you mm-hmm. had this moment and that's how you got through. Like, Damona, is there anything that you hear in that that can help other people? Like in what Kelly is saying? 
Well, it's important also not to, um, to clarify where the frustrations are coming from, because a lot of times it's not between the two of you. Like in that instance that she gave, he wasn't mad at Kelly. He was just wanting to have a moment in the spotlight and disappointed that the interviewer didn't give him that time. And so a lot of times when we see these conflicts, it's because we're reacting to things that are happening externally and not, as Kelly said, putting the relationship first and and leading with, I'm here supporting you and you're supporting me. And then I, I assume you all had a conversation about it later and, and talk through his feelings and let him feel seen and heard, but not feel like, you know, attacked from you that he didn't get the time in the spotlight. A lot of times we'll turn that around and then, and then it's that unsaid thing that becomes the bigger, you know, the elephant in the room that takes over. Yeah. It was definitely a conversation that we had to have. And and you're so right, Damona, like not taking it personally, you know, like, yeah, I, I understand the frustration, you know, it's the handmaid's tale. Like, yes, I don't take anything away from my performance, but it was the handmaid's tale that they are drawn to as well. And so it's a new project. And then I was like, in the next interview, what will say if they don't say the name and they're asking you what it's like to be Emmy nominated, then either you or I can say, yeah, you know, for me, it's great to be nominated for The Handmaid's Tale. And then, you know, Melvin, I know he's excited to be nominated for his uh, short form series. This Eddie Murphy role is mine, not yours. And I was like, and then we control the narrative as well, even if they don't say it, but we are a united front. And I think not taking it personal is hard, but it's, it's so helpful. Mm-hmm. It also speaks to like why you're, you're so successful, Kelly, because that foundation is strong. Like, you know, when like Tiffany Haddish talks about they ready, she ready. I think like being ready is this, everything you're talking about in Hollywood, especially like having a strong relationship, like, you know, someone on your team supporting you, religion, you know, and I noticed like you do, tra- is it Transparency Tuesdays? Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. What made you start doing Transparency Tuesdays? I think just talking with um, friends and listening to people and how they were feeling about themselves, about life, because what they saw on Instagram, you know, this person is so in love and this person is going on vacations and this person is living their best life. And I was like, yeah, because that's what we post. And my very first Transparency Tuesday, I think it was in like December of 2018, my best friend had recently passed from colon cancer. And, you know, my career was was flourishing, but my personal life like was it was devastating. It was a devastating loss. But I had just booked um, I think I had booked Uncorked and I also had booked um, Limetown and I was in, I think, Vancouver shooting Limetown in the hotel and I just started crying uncontrollably and couldn't breathe. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this? And in that moment, I took a picture of myself with tears coming down my face and a tear stain on my shirt. And I was like, 
people don't get to see this side. And so I posted a picture because I at first it was Insta life versus real life. And I posted a beautiful picture of me where I was smiling and looking so joyful and did a split screen of me with my hair wrapped because I think I just washed my hair and tears rolling down my face. And I was like, and this is real life. People start to get lost in this Insta life and, and feel like everything is good. When I have relationships with people and I see what they post on Instagram and I'm like, yeah, and I know the conversation we just had last night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, or, or couples posting happy and then you're like, but I saw you guys fighting and now it's like, I just talked to both of y'all last night, <laughs> right. preventing both of y'all from running to the courthouse. Like, you know, and I said, and that's what, what people need to see. I was listening to this message. I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I think it was something along the lines of like, people admire our accomplishments, but they identify with our weaknesses. And so the Transparency Tuesday was an opportunity to be transparent and allow people to see life is hard, it's real, and you're not alone. Thank you Just, for doing yeah. it. I think it's beautiful. I've often Thank said, you. you know, when I look on Instagram, I'm like, everyone's just posting this, the pretty stuff. Where's the, you know, where's the truth behind it? And as we see, you know, during this pandemic, we're coming out of a lot of, you know, the suicide rate is is way up, you know. Um, that's why I have this article in here because it was such a, you know, a, a sad passing for uh, Miss USA. Chesley Christ had many a- accomplishments before even turning 30. She was a North Carolina attorney who fought for social justice and criminal justice reform, a long and triple jump competitor, a tight holder of Miss USA in a year that all four pageants were women of color, a creator of white collar glam and an Emmy nominated TV correspondent. She burned brightly and was considered walking sunshine by Gail King. But according to her mother, April Simpkins, she was dealing with high functioning depression, which she hid from everyone, including me, her closet confidant until very shortly before her death. Um, and her impact was was great as an attorney um, and, you know, as a black beauty queen who won while keeping her hair natural, which I know, Kelly, you talk about as an actress. Right. And mm-hmm. she had a profound role in redefining. But it's um, global standards, you know, redefining global standards of beauty and inspiring young black women. So it's very traumatic to hear that this was going on with her. This other side that people are saying they did not. They just didn't see. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if social media would have helped her. Uh, you know, I, it's just it's one of those moments in time where I think that's what doing what you're doing is so helpful. You know, yeah. with transparent Transparency Tuesdays. And I know yeah, you did it on a Wednesday one day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But then I, and I struggled with that because I was like, but it's Wednesday. And I really felt like I was like, oh, because, you know, you're going to be here next Tuesday. <laughs> like you know, for a fact that you're going to be here next week. And it's like, the, and the losing, losing Shannon, that was my best friend's name, just really kind of opened my eyes. And then with the pandemic, you know, people could literally be here on a Monday and by Friday they could be gone or Tuesday. And so, you know, just trying to get to a place where I don't allow myself to get in the way 
of what I believe God is wanting me to do. You know, when I think about um, Chelsea, I, I did one Transparency Tuesday where I had like these little masks and I am so good at wearing a mask, you know, of just, you know, well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. You know, everything is well. I'm blessed. And on the inside, just like dying and not knowing how to how to communicate that or the expectations that that are had. You know, I went to grief counseling after my best friend passed. When I tell you, like I spent more time with her than I did with my husband because he would go to work. I would go to Shannon's house. And then when I would leave from being over there for eight hours, come home and then we would Marco Polo for two hours. She was such mm. an integrated part of my life. And so in losing her, it was just like, uh, you know, and as a believer, yes, I know we're not supposed to grieve as those who have no hope. It was still a struggle. And I was like, I don't want this idea of what a strong black woman is supposed to look like to prevent me from saying I need help. So I was like, I need, I need grief counseling. Like I need somebody to walk through this thing with me because I felt myself sinking in. And, and, and that's like, I want, I want us to get help, you know, and say, I need help. By the way, that, that, takes a strong black woman to say that. So I think it's time that we rewrote the narrative on that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. What a strong black woman is. I I do that in my act in the first, uh, in my special, in the first single black female, in the first beat, I talk about how, you know, you know, when people say strong black women, uh, do they think I'm going to help them move on the weekends? Like, what are they, you know, what are they asking for? And I think that, you know, especially with Chesley, sorry. Um, Chesley, yes, and and what happened with her is, you know, like we never saw, we saw her as this, you know, role model. And, and I often find, like I've often said in Hollywood in these characters, they oftentimes, you know, like we've starting to get away from the nanny roles, you know, the lawyer roles. I always said the lawyer roles and the cop roles are still kind of us taking care of white people in these stories. Like, You know, that's what I saw in your acting. There's so much layer to what you're doing. There's the vulnerability, especially in the character with Jeffrey Wright and in the character in The Handmaid's Tale. Like it's like it's a really quick scene. But the way you approach that scene in The Handmaid's Tale, and I think that's what why you were nominated, quite honestly, is the there's so many layers. You're not just an angry black woman as the other woman, you're asking for someone to step into your shoes. And I'm going to ask you, like, because just as an actress, I don't know, like, how were you able, like, what type of technique, if I could ask, did you use to step into that character for that? Because that's a quick scene. I'm thinking of the pressure of having go, you know, you know, action and go. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. I have to think of like, I have to draw on my cat's passing in order to get there. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, without going into too much detail, that's something we can talk about offline. Mm-hmm. Um, just having experienced 
something um, not exactly like that, but something traumatic um, automatically made the role resonate very quickly with me. And then for me, I always try to just simply focus on the truth of the what the character is going through, the truth of the scene, and always telling the truth. Like, what would a woman feel like if her husband was sleeping with someone else and trying to build a new life with someone else, but you are trying to hold on to this idea that you had and and not wanting to let it go, you know, that there there has to be fear there, there has to be uncertainty there, yes, anger, frustration. And so just really focusing on the truth and no matter what character it is, whether it's a drama or comedy, whether somebody's being cheated on, whether I'm a professor at a university, like with All-American Homecoming, like just what's the truth? And then going from there, building from there, creating the story, even what's not on the page. I, you know, I remember being in the hotel when I was preparing for um, Handmaids and just writing out the, the story, like what happened the moment before I went to go have this conversation with June. And what was the conversation that I had with Luke, you know, pleading with him and and going back to our wedding day and how happy we were and, you know, just layering on all that stuff so that when it comes time for that moment, all of that stuff is going on in your mind and then coming through your eyes as well. Yes, that's why I saw so many notes. There were so many colors to that character that I was just like, oh, my God, she's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's helpful to hear this because, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a lot of our listeners, you know, some of them are inspired by these stories and they or they have fears about getting into acting or they want to understand. So, you know, this is going to be very helpful to um, some young actors or actresses yeah. out there, you know, that are inspired by someone that looks like them. So, yes, thank you so much, Kelly. And I mean, Demona, you could speak to this, too, because this is the hardest part about, I guess, divorce. You know, we look at that scene is you do think that something's going to last forever. And then do you do you give advice to women who are like going through divorce or is it and searching for that new person? My my sweet spot is really helping people move into relationships. So okay. that's uh, that's that's what really lights me up. But um, there are a lot of people who help you through through the divorce. And then when you're ready to date, you can come <laughs> to me. You can listen to dates and mates. Actually, we've seen on OKCupid a 300 percent increase in people uh, saying that they're divorced coming to the platform in the last uh, few years. So. Um, since 2017. So wow, that's the trend. <laughs> We're ready for you. But um, but actually, it as, as as Kelly was talking, there was so much that I realized overlapped with I was like, oh, so basically dating is just like acting because <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, you're talking about getting to the truth. Right. And and really, you are able to do that preparation to be in the moment. And that's literally the same thing that I tell my clients in preparing for a date. Like you have to be present, you have to be in the moment, you have to be authentic and be in your truth. And a lot of times 
like I'll tell people to prepare for the date and and figure out what they're curious about, what they want to know more about. And they're like, but then am I dating like by a checklist? No, you do all that preparation so that when you get into the moment, you can just be and react and respond to the person that's in front of you, which sounds like it's kind of what happened in that scene, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, the scene is powerful. If you have not seen it, you have to. It's, it's like on the list of top scenes I've ever because I, I, I don't watch Handmaid's Tale because it, I, I worry about my mental health. But I, like I watched it and I was like, oh, my God, this is this is how do you get out of a scene like that? Like, how do you emotionally like let that? We were talking about this last week. We had on um, uh, Christina Anthony on and we had Kin Lu on as well, who did a shot through a wall and he had a very intense scene. And I always wonder, you know, Vaughn DiCarlo, who's a comedian, brought this up. We, we work so hard to get into the scene. How do you then come out of a scene like that? That's that emotional. I just, I, for me, it's just taking a moment to, to come down, you know, being on that set, they, the set was so light. The, the energy was light. Like they would laugh in between takes. And I, and I understand why Uh, I understood why they needed to do that because the show is so heavy but for me, as a guest actor coming in, I couldn't go there in between takes. Like I needed to stay in this moment so that when we did wrap and I went back to my hotel, I think I probably like just soaked in the in the tub, put on some music, just like relaxed, played a, a game on my phone, you know, or just like do nothing, whatever it is that I feel led to do. That's what I'll do. Like, I, I can't say I have a specific thing that I do for each role. Like, I remember for All Day and a Night, Joe Robert Cole, the director, one scene, he wanted me to go in on Ashton's character. And I mean, like, go in on him. And I remember at the end of it, I was literally shaking because of the words that I was saying to him. And I, and we were out, we were in a house and we were on the porch. And at the end, I had to just walk inside and I kind of like just kneeled, put my hands on my knees and just like took a couple of breaths because it was so intense. And, and then it's just a, a reminder, sometimes a verbal reminder, this is a scene, this is the character. And then sometimes I'll say, all right, Delanda, that was the character's name in All Day and the Night or all right, Annie from Handmaid's Tale. Thank you. I'm going to leave you here. Kelly's going to go on and then do it like that. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, because we were talking about how it kind of changes your cells. I mean, you're like literally like you're in a physical state. So you have to that. It's such a great way to like kind of check yourself and tell your body something. Because like mm-hmm. recently, like sometimes you don't even know like how your body's affected by things. Like recently, someone's like I'm losing my hair a little bit in the front because of stress. And I didn't realize I was stressful. Like, I, you know, I'm a comedian. So a lot of times I'm joking and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel stressed. They're like, Marina, you're developing a show right now. Like, what are you talking about? You're not stressed. You are stressed. And then I was like, oh, it's showing up in such weird ways. So it's like those little things that you can do to say to yourself, like to keep yourself aware and checklist. Like, okay, so I'm stressed now. So now I have to tell myself to breathe. (laughs) I have to tell myself, like you said, 
this is the character. This is not me. And I think it's really important now, like I was saying, like during the pandemic with a lot of people dealing with depression, check in with yourself. Even if you don't think you're going through something, you may be going just to check in with yourself. That's why I love Transparency Tuesdays. Yes, I love Mm -hmm. it. I, I think it's a perfect way to check in every week and it gives you something to do every week, which is something that I had a therapist on the show one time, Judith Joseph. She's a therapist that was on the Dr. Asha. He's problematic, but still. Um, (laughs) But she's exceptional. But she was saying that it's very important during this pandemic every week to have something that you're doing because we lost a sense of, you know, every week we were going to work, you know, what, you know, where are we going? And that leads to depression. There is a hotline for the U.S. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is at 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. And online chat is also available. If you're feeling some kind of way, still just check that out. So I do want to go over some more of this dating stuff, too, because Valentine's Day and I'm single. What do you do if you're single on Valentine's Day? Like there was an article that says that you eat a heart shaped pizza. <laughs> That's what you do. You eat a heart shaped pizza and then everything will be fine. No, uh, I, I feel like Valentine's Day it comes with such an emotional. It's so emotionally charged, whether you're in a relationship or you're you're single. And I've been on both sides of that. Like I remember. My husband and I have been together. We're coming up on 15 years, um, 15 years of marriage this Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Yes, nice. And we met online. It's amazing. But um, I remember many a Valentine's Day sitting at home, like watching my roommate get picked up and, you know, her date showing up with flowers and being like, bye. I'm like, why not me? Uh, so I've been there. And then on the other side, there's always a conversation. I mean, I'm usually working on Valentine's Day because this is my busy season. But my husband and I are always like, do we do something on Valentine's Day? Should we celebrate later? How do we, you know, it's always, an, it's always a negotiation. And so much of this is external. It's, it's coming from, you know, the greeting card companies and the, the chocolate, you know, Hershey's company. I don't know. Maybe they're a sponsor. I don't know. Wait, I love Hershey's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's coming from all of these external forces. And so it's just a reminder, I think, to to really get to to love ourselves, to get clear with ourselves, because so much of it is is us like looking outward for that piece to be fulfilled and then my phone starts ringing off the hook of like, Demona, how do I get a, da- a date by Valentine's Day? Which we could talk about <laughs> how to do it, how to do it, you know, super fast. But really, I'm more interested in people taking that time to be, to get clear on what they're looking for. Like we were talking about earlier, like everything Kelly was saying, I do all that with my clients at the beginning of the process so that they can move into the relationships that really fuel their soul. Like, I don't really believe in soulmates. I don't know if you believe in soulmates, but <laughs> I believe that you, if you have clarity on what, who you are and what, mm-hmm. what would enhance your life, then you can find a relationship that adds to your life. But if you're in the constant quest for like, is it my soulmate? Then you'll always be, you'll always be wondering, you'll always be looking. That was a really long-winded response to like a simple question. I don't know. Drink some champagne, girl. have a bubble bath should I take I mean like I am a busy woman 
And I am, you know, sort of in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm like the celebrity. <laughs> but, you know, I'm okay with it. But the thing is, is like, you know, I'm a very ambitious, busy. I've always put my career first. With Kelly, like, I cannot date another, I will not date another comedian ever again. And I just can't do it. Comedians are different than actors, by the way. They're, they're disturbed. I don't know why people think they're truth, they're the ones to look up to. They're not, not all of them. <laughs> Definitely don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. How does someone like myself, like, I'm looking like at people like Kim Kardashian, let's just say. She's dating Pete, who I knew as a comic coming up from SNL. And I'm like, I know, I know that kid. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say like he's not good enough for her or she's better, whatever. But I'm saying like it just seems like a lot of women in Hollywood or women in general. Let me open the box here. They get so busy and they're so valuable that sometimes they settle. I'm not saying he's she's settling, but kind of. <laughs> he is kind of the rebound guy, though. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, but it's like uh, I see a lot of that going on in Hollywood where I'm like these it's it's difficult for them to find a guy. Well, I say I mean, Kelly's story is amazing. I wish I had friends inviting me to a farewell party (laughs) and and they go, I don't know if it's me. Maybe they're like Marina. We cannot hook her up with anyone. They will. (laughs) If you have clarity, though, that that's what you that's what you want. And I always tell my clients where attention goes, energy flows. So you are career focused, which is totally fine. I think there's a lot of single shame that goes around and people, um, you know, villainizing women for having a focus on their career. So if that is the thing that is more important to you right now than finding a relationship, I think that is where you should put your attention and you'll get back the love from the thing that you put the love into. If you get to a point where you're like, this is a high priority for me to find a partner. That's when I start putting people through. I I have, it's not romantic at all, but it's a dating strategy and it's a series of steps. I've been doing this over 15 years. I've seen it work time and time again. So I know how to do it, but it's like, you have to want it. And I, I, I wouldn't like, I mean, Pete's the rebound guy. (laughs) (laughs) We can't compare and contrast, you know, but but it's it's different if you're looking for life partnership there's a uh, a focus and a clarity on that 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 i've seen lead to significant relationships but also totally fine i'm also seeing a trend for people that are looking for these lat relationships which is like living apart together i a mm. lot of people are coming to me like look you know i need a man i want to get it in every now and then I'm not trying to get married. I'm not trying to, you know, I don't need, if you don't need a guy for finances, you don't need a guy. And I say this being happily married and, you know, very happy in my relationship. But if you don't need a guy for finances and you you don't need a guy for, you know, social, I, I don't even know what, why other people <laughs> move into relationships now. But if you are happy in your single life, then you choose a partner. You want to be with the man you don't need to be with the man and that's fine yeah i don't want it i just you know that's the funny <laughs> part i'm like try, i'm coming to the conclusion at my age that i'm actually single i identify as single <laughs> you know it's it's been interesting this long road like i've dated so many different guys that's what single black female was all about all the different types i mean the stories that i have are endless right 
I made a lot of mistakes. So I try to do that special as this is what you don't want to do. Like, you know, I didn't. But I do think like specifically for women of color, like sometimes we're not told there is a timeline of what you want in your life. Like as far as having children um, or having a family and having a career at the same time. Like I speak to a lot of my Jewish friends and not to say that it's not true for us as well, but a lot of them say, say they have these conversations, their family is like, if you haven't had this by this age, then you're not successful. If you're not married by this age, and if you don't have a family by this age, then what are you doing? Specifically as a woman. And I've never had that conversation. Like no one's ever told me, uh, Marina, you need to do this. No one's ever said that to me. And I don't know if that was a good thing or if that's a bad thing. And I know that's a loaded thing I just gave you, but there it is. Okay, I can speak to it. Being both black and Jewish, I can speak to both sides. <laughs> um, it, there are a lot of cultural norms that I'm very interested in unpacking right now, in case you can't tell. Um, and, you know, I, I actually, my first, my, my first uh, writing job, I wrote for J-Date. <laughs> I now work for, with OkCupid, okay so just to <laughs> clarify... Okay, keep it. <laughs> but J-Date, the Jewish dating dating site, and I would get a lot of Jewish mothers that had this expectation of their son or daughter should be married by this point. And they would be like, can I hire you for my for my son or daughter? Because I they need to be on this timeline. And I would always say, sure, if your son or daughter calls me, I will work with them but they have to be the one to call me or email me or contact me and be ready for this process. And when I tell you, I don't even think one of them, maybe one, but I don't think one of them ever contacted me because it's this external pressure that we were talking about earlier. And I don't think that's that external pressure is necessarily healthy. Of course, parents want the best for you. Of course, parents, you know, are in your ear telling them what what telling you what is expected of you. But at a certain point, we need to figure out, do those old rules apply to us? And so, okay, now speaking from the black side, <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of narratives about black women in love that need to be dismantled. You know, there's, there's narratives about black women not being successful on dating apps. And I'm like, if that's true, how come I've helped so many black women? I hosted a show called hashtag black love. I've, I've helped I used to write for BET as well. I've helped so many black women beat those odds. So is that a reality or is that more a narrative that we've heard so many times that we start to believe it ourselves? Mm. Yes, very true. I, You know, it's funny that you say, not funny, but it's true what you're saying because like it, this is completely different, but in the same way, we're so used to as black women hearing our trauma stories like I was helping someone do something for Black History Month um, for a program and they're, you know, young white kids are putting it together <laughs> and I'm like trying to tell them, you know, like you want to look for some black heroes that you haven't heard of, you know, like if you really want to de delve deep. And I just saw a collage of it and it's all like horrible stories in black history. And I'm like, is this what they see? Is this the narrative that they're only a, like that, the, you know, like when you think about like wokeness and white people being woke and I'm like, oh, no wonder they're like, it's OK if you want to be late. You know, it's like they're seeing only this. They're not seeing our successful stories. 
So I would say in the dating scene as well, like that is such a good point that we're always bombarded with black women are difficult, black women, strong black women, terrifying to date. You know, um, they don't get picked up like Asian men and black women on these dating apps. They're always saying that we don't do well. And I have to be honest, I was on a dating app for, I'm so bad at dating apps. Uh, so I'm, I'm so like good that. at dating apps. So you're in the right place. <laughs> I'd like the bio is like, I could write my, my comedian bio, my acting bio, but I can't do my dating bio. It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah, what is like? I like to bike. Okay. That's a start. <laughs> you get to a point like it's, it's, it makes my stomach hurt whenever I do it. And it's hard. And I try not to be funny while I'm doing it. It's really hard. It is hard. Um, and this is this is why I have a job. <laughs> this is what I do. And it's all about like you're a storyteller, Marina. You're you're a comedian. You're a storyteller. So it's all about just telling your story. And you know how you have to edit down the stuff that you write. So it's editing it to its core. But I think most people try to say too much. And, and then end up saying nothing at all. So it's really about leaving just a couple of threads that somebody can say, oh, she's interesting and picking it up and moving on from there. The biggest challenge I see with dating apps is that people are approaching dating apps like it's old fashioned dating. It's not the same thing. It's a piece of technology. It's a tool. It's just the tool to bring it, bring people together. So there's always the struggle of like, how much do I put forward and how long should I stay in texting? Kelly, I don't know if you if you if you had to deal with any of the the like the textation ships, <laughs> but it's it's rough out there with the way that we've communicated has shifted. And yet we still are attached to these old ideals of like, this is how it was done before. Well, this is what chivalry means. Well, this is what he's supposed to do. And they, they, the ground is shifting beneath us. And I think dating apps can be a fantastic tool when used correctly, but you use the wrong tool for the right job. You know, I don't know nothing about construction, but if I think I know if you're going to like put hang something on the wall, you're going to need a hammer and a nail. And if you're going to use a saw to try to get that nail to go into the wall, you're going to be really frustrated. So mm -hmm. I understand the frustration, but there are there's a there is a better way. Did you have to go through this at all, Kelly, or was it that that party was it? You know, I on our first date. I had a conversation with Melvin and I said, I don't want to send a representative. Like, I just want you to see 100% Kelly. And I pulled out my own um, utensils because I don't use the utensils in the restaurant. Um, and he was like, oh, oh wow, you have you. your- I agree. And, and yeah, and I was like, yeah, this is me. And I was like, and you know, the whole like, I don't want to be worried about if I should text you if it's been too long or you. And I was like, I don't want to play that game. If you want to text me, just text me. If I want to text you, I want to be able to text you. I don't want to have to do this waiting period and try to play that game. If I if there's something that I feel uncomfortable about, I want to say I feel uncomfortable. What like I just want to be me and I want you to see me and see if this is something that you can accept. And I want the same from you. And he grabbed my hand and he was like, you should absolutely have that. And I was like, thank you. This is making me uncomfortable. He said, what is? I said, you holding my hand. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. And he said, okay, and let my hand go. And so for me, I was just like, because I had heard the horror stories mm-hmm. from my single friends and, and what they were going through and had a conversation with a girlfriend who was like, well, I mean, I text him, but I haven't heard back from him. And I don't know if I should text him again. And I was like, oh my God, I, said, I, I can't do that. And so that's just what I told Melvin. And I feel like for us, that work just being like, this is who I am. All right. Now let's try to work through that. And the who I am back then is not the who I am today because that just, you know, got to grow and change. Um, You know, like we're reading this book now called The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy Keller. And it's just like blown our mind. And the thing I think that resonated with Melvin and I, um, me and Melvin, was there was one sentence he said, he said, what is marriage for? It's two spiritual friends coming together to help each other become who God designed, created them to be. And, and for, for us, it was like, oh, wow. So my, I shouldn't depend on you for my happiness. You're not here to make me happy. And it's not, you just got to accept me for who I am. That's not what's going to work in our marriage. But if I'm helping you to become who God created you or designed you to be, that's going to change how I talk about you. That's going to change how I talk to you, what I think about you, all of those things. And so that's just been really helpful for us. And as Demona said, that was a really long-winded way to answer your question (laughs) no we did not go through the text station well because you set it up right off the bat though that's why i mean that's what's so beautiful i thought you were going to say he grabbed your hand and he proposed to you right there (laughs) because i he seemed like i mean like if someone had said that to me i would fall in love with them right away too i'd be like they know what they want they're secure and they really you know you were very clear from the beginning so you didn't get the game playing, which is opposite of what I've done in the past, is I've oftentimes, um, and I think it's because I, I grew up around parents that I tiptoed around a lot, eggshells. So I'm like an eggshell. I'm, I'm good with eggshells. I can walk on eggshells like uh, like a pro, you know? <laughs> so like I've had those moments where I'm, you know, red flag comes up, but I don't say anything about it. Or, you know, the, the, the texting, like I, for a year, I think I went back and forth with the guy who I wasn't even clear if we were, if he liked me and we were doing video stuff and we even went out and I was like, what does he want? But I didn't want to ruin that because I was like, I kind of like the company, kind of like the friendship, but I don't, and I don't know if I actually like him either. So it's like, if I say to him, it's kind of crazy do you like me? And he says, no. And then I'm like, now we're breaking up. And I didn't even really like you like that, but still I don't want to break up this. I know that sounds very complicated, but that's where I'm at. (laughs) That's where I was, I should say. But I didn't go, Hey, this little thing we're doing right here. What is this? Cause the pandemic you're holding on to people you just talk to. And then you're like, "Uh, do I want to let go of this person that I'm talking to kind of into it? Don't want to let it go right away. No, it's not healthy, but still. Yeah, it's that clarity, right? <laughs> when you and you have to be ready for the clarity. So it and it sounds like in that textationship or whatever it was, it um it served a role in your life and it served a role in his life. And 
we have such a societal push towards relationships. Like it, 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 ha- it has to be A or B. But in that moment, maybe that was what you both needed and that was okay. But once yeah, you have clarity. I want right? to hear it was okay. It is okay. <laughs> and then once you had clarity, then the relationship shifts. And, and oh, the clarity the happened fast. Oh, well, <laughs> then voicing the clarity is really the, the, where the work is. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I found out the way I found out it was not a relationship was because I had to find out through another friend. I said, can you ask? <laughs> I did a sneaky little thing because I was ready for this, the little back and forth to end. Mm-hmm. And then we went on like what was like a date, but wasn't a date. And then I was sitting there on, and I was like, I guess we're just we're just hanging out because we haven't seen each other in a while. But I don't really know you that well to be like this is necessary to do this, but I'm sitting there and I'm not at all interested in anything. This person is saying, I actually was yawning. I yawned. Oh, (laughs) so you said it all. That's clarity. (laughs) I know, but my, my body. So my eyes see something because I was like, they're very attractive. So maybe it's worth it. But then my, my body, like I've done that. And you heard like the peanuts uh, teacher, like, (laughs) (laughs) I do want to ask you about online dating, though, and the dangers of online dating, because we have this. How did Lauren Smith Fields die and will the police take her death seriously? I know it always dips into a dark side on the on the episode, but I try to get to the truth. I try to get to the truth, like Kelly was saying, like as a podcast, I always everyone's like, you're a comic. I was like, yeah, but I like I like dealing with truths, too. And I think there is a danger to being to online dating that needs to be discussed. Like, what do you what do you tell your clients to be careful of? There's a danger to living in the world, frankly. And as so many of our interactions have moved online, not just online dating, all of our interactions are happening online. That opens us up to a certain level of risk overall. However, I will say it's a little bit safer than the way that I dated before online dating, which was just like, you know, up in the club, like, oh, you cute. Like, <laughs> let's, let's go. <laughs> I swear. I'm going to write a book one day called I could have been dead. Like there are so many situations because then you don't have their IP address. You don't know anything about them. You don't even know their last name. Like maybe you got their license plate. There's that's, that's completely open-ended. And yet now, because they're, we hear these stories because social media shares these stories because so many people are online and online dating has become more popular over the years. Of course, the predators move to online dating because that's where people are. But that doesn't necessarily mean that online dating itself is unsafe. So I'll give a couple of safety tips and then I'm not fully up to speed on the current Lauren Smith Fields story. I believe I heard that the detectives who were uh, investigating got suspended because they didn't investigate properly. So I don't have all the details. But what well, I can- said, um, I'll just tell you right here. Um, Smithfield's brother, Lakeem Jetter, told NBC Connecticut that when he asked a police officer involved in the case about his sister's bumble date, he said the detective said this or the police officer, I should say, said this. He said he was a very nice guy and they weren't looking into him anymore. And it was almost like he was sticking up for him. And it seemed weird to hear that from a detective because when they did the, I believe they got suspended because they didn't, they did Mm -hmm. not handle that properly. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to put her, her situation aside. 
overall, there are certain, I, I feel that there are two categories of bad actors online. There are the people, well, there's two categories. Let's just say catfish, like the people that are not who they say they are. They are generally either, either scammers who are trying to take your money. They're really, you hear these stories like, like, like Lauren's story because they are rare. There aren't, considering the number of people that are out in the world and that are dating, there aren't that many of those kind of stories. And we still don't know exactly what happened in this situation. But there are stories of people getting their money taken. There are stories of people getting scammed. And then there are a lot of stories of people just not being who they say they are. So that's the difference with dating apps is that you can create this online identity for yourself that may not be who you really are. And usually it's because that person is not confident and they're craving connection, which is understandable. It's just they do it in the, the most wrong of ways. And the dating apps, including OkCupid, take, those, take complaints very seriously. So one thing that I would encourage anyone listening who's encountered this on a dating app to do is to make sure you block and report. Because I think sometimes we're just like, ah, that was annoying. Like I didn't want to get that message or that person didn't turn out to be who they said they were, whatever it was. And then we just go, we'll just, we just walk away from it. And we're just like, oh, forget it. And unmatch. You've got to report these people because we don't want them on the app. We don't want them to be there. Um, And then you have to look out for people uh, love bombing you saying like all these things, like they love you. They can't wait to meet you. Love you, Dubby. And you haven't even moved offline. You have to like see that person. I like having my clients do a video chat before the date, like check them out before. And that will mitigate a lot of the risk and the people that, that are bad actors. And then the other thing is like, there are, there are simple safety things like, um, meet someone in a public place that you're familiar with. Tell people where you're going, share your location with your friends. There are a lot of little things that you can do that can keep you safer. Do not go to a second location. Do not have that person to your house until you have gotten to know someone and you've seen that they are authentically who they are. So, you know, I hate talking about, I hate talking about the risks because um, you're at a more risk of just being disappointed in the date not working out than you are one of these things happening. But I think it's really important to educate people on what they should and can be doing to keep themselves as safe as possible. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely important. I mean, they have the statistics here of um, the, the of sexual offenders on dating apps and on popular ones. And they're working at the House House Subcommittee investigation into sex offenders and minors using their services because we do have minors on there. So it has been it, they, it has there's a quote here. It has become increasingly clear that the online dating industry is in need of regulation and that the controversial Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 needs to be amended. Section 230 grants Internet companies immunity from liability in cases of third-party wrongdoing, which meant that even if it were to be provided that someone had died after being drugged by a dating app match, her family could not sue the company. And such protection from civil suits diminishes companies' impetus to protect their users. So I think that's just important, you know, because... We are living in an age where, you know, you, you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, uh, I well, you know, kind of people have called me a COVID cop, uh, <laughs> called me a black Karen. So I'm extra 
careful person. I mean, I was once on stage and I watched this. This is the younger generation that I love. I love what they do. They take matters into their own hands. A lot of Gen Z's, you know, millennials on stage. Yeah, I was making fun of a woman who was taking her drink to the bathroom, Uh. not understanding why she was doing that. You know, and the whole audience was laughing. I was like, you're going to get germs in that drink. But what she was doing was protecting her drink from being um, tainted with something as she walked away. She didn't know the guy. And I think that's like a simple dating tip is like, don't leave your drink or anything you're eating unattended. True. Yeah. And don't accept a drink from somebody you don't know. And that has nothing to do with online dating. That is just the crazy people out in the world. (laughs) So kind of my point. But we know it's all good. We know this is what's happening. This is how people are are doing, especially during the pandemic. This is how people are meeting. I mean, that's what I did. I did a long year of video chat with the person who just wanted to be a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -mm. His loss, okay? Obviously. I don't, I still don't really know. He may be listening. You may be listening and you're finding out now, but you know, because it's possible. So what is your advice to someone like me who is over a certain age, who's <laughs> afraid to go online, you know, busy, but wants to date? Doesn't I, I mean, I, I'm a complicated person. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what makes you so special, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, don't read so much of the news. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, read the news, be aware. But I would say. You have to figure out the venue that's going to work for you. I think dating apps are just the most efficient way, especially for someone who, you know, you have your social life set, set, your career is set, you know, you know, the people who you're going to know and maybe. But they know me like Marina Franklin. What if I've had this happen where they go, I saw your special. I'm like, ah, (laughs) done. (laughs) They know everything now. They've heard all of my, uh. Cause I'm a truth teller up there. So they're like, Oh, you're like that. You put guys businesses on the street. I don't want to, you know, but go ahead. Sorry. Well, they're, they're just worried. They're just worried that they're going to be next. Cause they don't think they don't trust that they're going to act right. <laughs> <laughs> they're like now my business will be in the streets. <laughs> uh, but first we got to do the mindset piece, like clarifying what you bring to the table, what you want in the relationship, how you visualize the relationship. And then we literally develop a strategy, which I think, you know, dating app should be part of it. So we'll get you on OkCupid. We'll hook that up. And then that's just the funnel to bring the dates into your life. And then we go through a screening process to figure out who is really worth your time. Like maybe you spent a year of your energy doing this video chatationship. I just made up a new word. <laughs> and and that that met one need, but didn't meet ultimately the need of finding a relationship or somebody that, you know, really you could build into all of those beautiful things that Kelly was saying relationship is for. And that maybe took enough of your time and your energy where it zapped the, the drive to be able to look for somebody else. I don't, I'm just guessing, Marina. I'm just shotting it. No, you see, you're on the right (laughs) path there. It makes sense. And then we just figure out also like how you're showing up on dates, how you prepare for dates, how you get to that authentic place. I hate dates more. Did you, Kelly, did you like dating before like meeting your husband? Like, did you do that at all? I didn't. Between my ex-husband and Melvin, I didn't date. She didn't have her whole face. (laughs) It didn't. But, you know, I feel like that's just 
been me. Like throughout my high school time, I had one boyfriend and then went to college, didn't really have a boyfriend. I did date, but then was in a relationship um, for almost 10 years and got married to him. And then we divorced, was single for a couple years, didn't go on one date. Cause I was just like, you know what? It's just me. It's just me and God. We gonna kick it. I would go on group group dates with friends. Okay. And we take pictures, and I'd literally have my arm out, and I'd be like, "This is the Holy Spirit, just me, and the Holy Spirit." And we have pictures of me standing with my arm out and no one there. And you know, I, I, it wasn't. I wasn't sad about it. It was funny to me. I was having a good time, and then Melvin came in like a hurricane and. <laughs> That's usually how it happens. Better Melvin yeah. than Pete Davidson, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where's my Pete Davidson when I need Oh, my God. Mm. Let's see. I'm looking at these questions because I'm horrible on dates. I Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like Kelly. I like, I mean, I just hate dates. I, I hate dressing up for dates. I don't feel like it's me. I don't dress up that, anyway. That's just who I am. I've come to the conclusion. They have tried to get me in a dress. I will fight them at every, it's just who I am. If I could go on a date in a plaid shirt and jeans with holes in them, I'd be the happiest person on the planet. But I got to wear a dress. No, you don't have to wear a dress. You don't have to wear a dress. You should be you. Again, authenticity, mm -hmm. truth. Like Someone just... got mad at me. They're like, Marina, what, you're wearing that on the date? I mean, you got to look like you... You care about that person's I mean, time and you're excited to meet them. <laughs> take, a shower, take a shower. Deodorant. If you do the deodorant thing, you know, it's like just it's just putting in the effort that you would want them to put forward to present themselves in the best light to you. But set set yourself up for success. First of all, no, no dinner dates. I don't know if you were doing dinner dates before, but a first date should never be a dinner date. Because uh, it's too long and you will end up running out of things to talk about, having low energy and and you're going to be stuck there on that date. And it's it's just Great not going to be fun. There. So mm -hmm. keep it shorter. You can do better if it's shorter. I have my clients just do a one hour first date if they're moving from online. 90 minutes if you're meeting them from another another um, avenue. But if if you are only limiting the amount of time that you're going to be together, then there's not as much pressure to like, what am I going to say for four hours? That's so tip. you know what someone said? I was on a date and the person said to me, so tell me everything about you. That is too much. Um, my computer is dying. I thought it's plugged in. Okay. Hold on one quick second. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, OK. Discuss amongst yourselves. So, yeah, Kelly, that's, that's and you lot. know what? I am just so really I'm excited that you came on today and that you just took of the course. time out because like I'm hoping at some point, like when I run into, you know, I'm not you're in L.A., right? I am. So mm -hmm. I don't run into a lot of like what this is a question I have for you. That's like, do you feel like it's really changing as far as diversity goes in Hollywood, as far as acting, the inclusiveness? Do you feel like it's on that level now or is it just a band-aid is that too loaded no it's not it's not too loaded i think we have come um quite a ways and i think we have quite a ways to go you know um i remember there was one pilot that i booked 
And when I walked into the hair and makeup trailer and I saw all black people, I paused and I, I looked around and I was like, I, I don't know if I'm in the right place. Is this for the pilot? And they were like, yeah, because I had never seen a trailer with all black people in it, you know, and that was a couple of years ago. And the stories that I hear. So I I know that we're making strides in front of the camera. Like one of the things I love about the current show I'm on, All American Homecoming, is so black, 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 blackity, black, black, black. You know, it's just these beautiful Black people at this HBCU. Um, And so in front of the camera, I think we're making more strides than we are behind the camera. And I want people to know that we have to make strides behind the camera in all facets of the industry. I want to see cinematographers and our, our DPs our lighting technicians, gaffers, our um, sound people. Like, I want to see Black people everywhere um, in in these different places. And so while I feel like we have made strides, I just don't want us to get tired and think like, well, you know, we gave gave it a a good one too. You know, I have friends that were like, um, after George Floyd, like we got two years, a good two years where they're going to be like, all right, black people, we owe you. And we're in that second year now. And, it, you know, I want us to, to keep going. We deserve to be in these spaces because we are just as talented as our counterparts. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, in a, I'm writing, I'm in the writing mode right now. So I'm in, I'm, I'm telling you when I say like, you know, you start to see, you're like, oh, okay. All right. This is what's going on. It's important that we're here. You know, different things like having to explain, um, uh, the birthday song, the black version, you know, Mm -hmm. like they, if you, if you know, you, you could be friends with someone white for a very long time and not know that they don't know simple things like that, Mm -hmm. which is really important for, uh, you know, representation, you know, like dialogue or if you just if you're setting up a story and 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 you're black and they don't know little things like that you have to do the extra step to explain who you are which has been you know i was talking to a showrunner after george floyd who was just having a diff she's white and she was having a difficult time because the people in the room that were black who were saying things to her that they were like you just don't understand this because you're white and she's their boss and had to like kind of be quiet yeah, but mm-hmm. how many times did we have to be quiet? So, and mm-hmm. you know, I I was saying to Marina uh, before we started recording, I I actually started the talent diversity program at NBC. I was also part of starting the CBS diversity program. I've been in this conversation for a super long time, and it's actually what got me into dating coaching because I I, I started out teaching actors about how to market themselves, have headshots that stood out their stories and then online dating it's same thing dating profile headshot same thing so that's that's how i started in this business but while i began writing dating profiles i was also going up the chain in television and in diversity so i know this conversation very well i know the numbers um from the back end and how i you know i was having i was saying the same thing kelly 15 over 
15, 20 years ago, I was saying, we're not going to change. It's not going to change until we get different people telling the stories, different people behind the camera. And I, I'm just, it's, it's kind of devastating to see how long it's taking for the conversations to really come to light. But I am, I am encouraged by the changes that I've seen. And, you know, I've, I felt it as well, like with the television that I do, you know, I, I do like the Drew Barrymore show and um, seeing people that actually know how to work with natural hair. I used to, I used to press my hair every single time I was on television because I couldn't get booked for a segment if my hair was curly. Couldn't, couldn't do it. And now I finally see people are open to the conversation and are accepting it. But I, I hear you on that, like two years, <laughs> two years. And, and it doesn't feel as urgent as it once felt. And now we're going to really see how much of it is reactive and how much of it one is a business imperative. That was another thing I was always trying to impart to the other executives. It's a business imperative. You want to attract new viewers. They need to see themselves reflected in the material that you're, you're making. So kudos to you for doing the work that you do. And Kelly, you, you spoke to that about natural hair. hair on. Um, I, I saw a post of yours. Or where you, Can you speak to that? Yeah, I was shooting all day and a night in Oakland. I loved the team that we had. They were amazing women. Um, but I was wearing wigs in that film. And so I needed to be braided down. And unfortunately, I don't know how to cornrow. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, and so they sent someone, a beautiful um, Black girl, to braid me down. And I was like, okay, guys, So just so you know, I won't be able to keep my hair cornrowed down for the duration of shooting, I'm going to have to wash my hair. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. So they said that they had a place, a salon that they could send me to, to do it weekly. Um, Black-owned salon, very well known, I guess, in, in that area. They sent me there. My part in it was I didn't ask like, oh, what products are you using? That kind of thing. And I have a lot of hair. It's very thick. Um, and so when I went to her, you know, she was washing my hair and I'm also tenderheaded. Mm -hmm. And so she, you know, washed it. I would like wince a little bit. And then she put what I thought was conditioner in my hair and left me in, in the bowl. Um, I could smell a little something, but was like, oh, well, maybe this is oh, just no. the conditioner. She oh, comes no. back, rinses it out. We go. She starts blow drying my hair. She's also using a paddle brush kind of thing. Oh, I God. think she's just like stripping and stripping it. She does four corn rolls. And I was like, all right, we're going to have to stop. This, this is too tight. It's too much. And she was like, OK, well, let me try to do it a little bit lighter. She does. We get through it. When I'm leaving, I can feel my, my hair is very soft, but my braids feel very thin. And this was around the time that I was nominated for the Emmys and was, was going to, to the ceremony. And I, I washed my hair and it was so thin, like it was so thin. And when my stylist had come over to wash my hair, she, as she was just kind of like going through my hair, my hair was just coming out 
And she was like, what is going on? And so we believe, I can't confirm, we believe she put some kind of texturizer in my hair and it damaged my hair and I had to cut all my hair off. And what that helped me to realize, aside from like, all right, Kelly, you got to be more vocal about things. And from that point moving forward, whenever I book something, the first thing my team does after we get, you know, we're talking numbers or whatever is like, who's doing hair? Mm. That's a conversation that we have to have. And then also just because you're black doesn't mean you know how to do natural hair. That's right. You know, and so it's finding people who can do natural hair. And if they can do natural hair, they pretty much can do all hair, you know, because my stylist even said in these beauty schools, you're not working with natural hair, you know, it's the straight hair that you're working with. And so I just got to a place where I was like, I am going to be more vocal. I am not going to allow myself to be uncomfortable so that you don't feel a certain way. You don't know how to do my hair. And I shouldn't have to go back to my trailer and do my hair because I'm not getting credited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, no. It's such a good point because I've had people that look like me put stuff in my hair that I would never put. I have my hair is natural. You see it. It's like Mm -hmm. I've been natural for 20 years. I remember the first time I went natural. You know, some people argue, is it called natural? It's your hair. I'm like, we got to Come on. We got to have some type of label. I remember there was a lot of pushback. They're like, mm-hmm. Marina, you're not, you're not going to get work with your hair looking like this. I've my Jewish friends, by the way, have been told by their Jewish friends, you got to straighten your hair in order to look, you know. But the thing is, is like you go into these rooms with your hair the way it is, and like you said, speaking up. I've watched different people deal with people in that chair. Like I remember um, a comedian friend of mine being overly complimentary to the person who was doing her hair to make them feel better and confident about doing their hair. And I was like, that's just not who I am. Like, if I don't like something, I'm going to say it. Is that, and I remember thinking maybe I should be more like her because she seems to be, you know, knows how to handle this. But I'm like, they're going to ruin my hair if they put that brown pre with that gel in my hair. Someone put that brown, you know how long it takes Mm -hmm to get that brown gel out of your, it takes a month to get that stuff out of your natural hair. And if they straighten your hair, like she straightened your hair, that's damaging the texture of your hair and completely not understanding what our hair is. It's such a yeah. good point to ask who's doing hair. Mm-hmm. And do they know what they're doing? And in one of the articles, I think of, about mm-hmm. Chesley, so sorry. That's all right. Chesley, it was talking about the crown act. Like, why do we need to have a bill passed for me to wear my hair as it grows out of my head? That's insane. Like, what? Yeah. And it, yeah, so it's, it's pretty infuriating um, at times when it's like, I'm tired of apologizing for my existence. Like, how I am, how God created me to be, I'm tired of apologizing for that. Because you don't apologize. Yeah. And I think it's a wonderful segue into what I saw you post 
about an actress. Um, you can uh, forget her name, but she's an amazing actress who was um, impersonating Fanny Lou Hammer. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it? Fanny Lou Hammer, right? Hamer. Hamer. Mm-hmm. I, always, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm embarrassed when I say it wrong. But you know what's sad to say is they never taught Fanny Lou Hamer in school, which is not, by the way, critical race theory. It's American history. An anonymous donor is giving the University of Mississippi 100000 to pay for a scholarship designed to help students who are pursuing African-American studies in the university's College of Liberal Arts, which will be named after civil rights pioneer Fannie Lou Hamer, according to a news release from the university. Hamer was born in 1917 on a cotton plantation and began working at age six. In 1962, she joined the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and worked to register black people to vote. At the time, Mississippi and other states had literacy tests and other unconstitutional roadblocks to prevent African-Americans from voting. And she was a founder of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, which challenged the seating of the regular parties of all white delegation at the 1964 Democratic National Convention. Her acts and fight for civil rights ought to be celebrated. And this scholarship will help not only honor Fannie Lou Hamer's memory and legacy, but grant a new generation of black individuals opportunities that she fought for. So you posted on Instagram, the actress, what is, what's her name? Anjanu. Oh, she's so amazing. Oh man. I, she is incredible. Mm-hmm. And you're right there. You're right there with her. Don't, don't. Thank you. But go ahead. Thank you. Um, Christine Swanson, who's an amazing uh, director, directed that piece with Anjanu. And um, it's just the the reenactment of what Fannie Lou Hamer did at that DNC in 1964, which still trips me out because I'm like, 1964 <laughs> was yesterday. Yes. You know, um, and you you can find it on um, on YouTube. And I have the link in my bio, the whole thing. I think it's about nine minutes. Anjanu is just... It is so, yeah, it just gives it. you, yeah, it just gives you the chills and to know what Fannie Lou Hamer did and to know what the then president, Lyndon B. Johnson, did at that time and how much power she had that when she was speaking and it was televised, President Lyndon B. Johnson interrupted the the televised portion of what she was doing because he had an announcement that he needed to make. It, I think he was like announcing who was going to be replacing the vice president or something. It was it was something that really wasn't important, but he was doing it to take eyes off of Fannie Lou Hamer's speech mm. um, and not even speech, just the story that she was sharing but what he did ended up backfiring because then more people were like, well, wait a minute. I want to hear what she was saying. And, and even watching her do it live now, like really getting chills, watching her speak to them and sharing what she was going through and, and, and just her, I question America. I question America. That was so profound and so on point and sadly something that we can still say mm-hmm. today. I question America. Yeah. Yeah. It just 
It sends chills yeah. through me too. When I was watching it, and thanks for posting it on Instagram, and I will try to post it on our Facebook page because I think it's really important mm-hmm. because we're dealing in a time where I've been having these conversations about, you know, criti- what is critical race theory and what is black history? And we see like the school in Alabama that can't even teach black history without, you know, people going, that's critical race theory, you know, and it's yeah. not. It's like, no, black history is your history. It's, you know, and how we teach it is really important. I think mm-hmm. that needs to be discussed um, because I think Republicans, they they will weaponize this uh, critical race theory and scare white people into thinking that any discussion about black history is is meant to make their kids feel guilty, which yeah. is like, you know, I mean. I love the pushback on it all the time. And I think it's a conversation that will always have to be had about it's 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 crazy. Like even now we have to fight for like just black history and mm-hmm. people go, well, I think I was on stage and I was talking about this is black history month. I guess she said every month, the white woman, she said every month should be black history. <laughs> I was like, it's a white woke woman. Look at her. She's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> so um, we do have to get out. I hope she comes back so she can say goodbye. You know, sometimes on this platform, things happen. But, you know, and I really thank you so much. You're such an incredible, your presence, your acting is unbelievable. All, like you're, I do a, a intro with, I'm going to be listening. Your bio is so long. <laughs> that if I went through it, you know, sometimes it makes other guests feel like, oh my God, what have I done? But it's just it's very impressive. It's Thank and you. so I wish you just much more success and I can't wait to see you in so much more, which I know I will see you in more and hopefully someday I will get to actually meet you in person, you know? Yes, absolutely. So where can I our listeners find you? Um so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kelly M. Jenrett and then Facebook Kelly Jenrett. You can also find me on the CW on Mondays starting February 21st on All American Homecoming. Is there a streaming platform for that? The CW does have um, a free app. Okay. Yeah, and it's free, which is um, rare. Nowadays, everybody's charging for streaming. But yeah, the CW has a free app where you can watch um, episodes there. Um, But it'll air um, Mondays at nine on the CW immediately following All American February 21st. Um, Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And with friends like us, you don't have to apologize for who you are. You can stand in your power. You can say, I am here because you have friends like us. Oh, oh my God. That was so perfect. Say goodbye. Sorry, that was weird. It just, it died. That's okay. It was like eating up more battery than my, than my little charger could output. Uh, but it was such a great conversation. My God. I enjoyed um, it. It was so great to have you here today because, one, I need the help. So I think I'm going to hit you up on OKCupid because okay um, I definitely need the help. I think I can have it all. Right? You can and you will. You will. I'll teach you the system. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I wish you much success. And we need people like you to stay in the industry to keep them informed. So tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on socials at Damona Hoffman, D-A-M-O-N-A. And I also, I do a podcast every week. It's nine years. (laughs) I have um, the Dates and Mates podcast. So that's where I give a lot of my freshest most fun, most informative dating advice. Um, and of course, you can download the OKCupid app for free. It's free. So we help you out there. And um, I would say with friends like us, you can be your most authentic self and attract authentic How's that? Yes. <laughs> and people, because you're authentic. Thank you, Demona. Thank you. Nice to reconnect with you because I I know I've met you. I've no I think I've auditioned in front of you probably. <laughs> no, I think we've been up in the club, the comedy club together. Yes. Certainly. Yes. Well, and I wish you continued success and thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much again. Uh, you all go to my website, marinafranklin.com. You can see me performing in Princeton on uh, February 25th in Princeton, New Jersey at the McCarter Theater. uh, Baron Vaughn is on that show, so it's a great show to go see. And plus, I'll be doing stand-up live, which, you know, I'm back on the road again. It's coming back. You know, I'm one of those people. I'm very protective. So if you come to my show and you're wearing a mask, I won't judge you. Just be careful when you come, you know, get your tests and all that and get vaccinated. That's important. And with friends like us, you can meet new friends that are so talented and just incredible all around and learn so much about love, uh, um, religion, and um, you know what? Speaking your truth. Yeah, with friends like us. Check Check us us out. out!